0: My guest this week is drummer for the hit NBC TV show, The Voice. Nate Morton is a super humble person, an amazing drummer, very funny, and an unbelievable storyteller. This session went on for two and a half hours, so I broke this up into a part one and a part two. part one, you'll learn about his early childhood, drumming, going to Berkeley, playing around Boston, playing in Hong Kong, and finally moving to Los Angeles. Part 2 will dig deeper into his time in Los Angeles, all the auditions he went on, auditioning for Rockstar in Excess, Rockstar Supernova, and finally landing the gig with The Voice. So sit back, and enjoy, as this is an amazing episode and discussion with Mr. Nate Morton. I'm super excited I have my friend, Nate Morton, the amazing human being, and on top of it, the drummer for The Voice. And I was lucky enough to become friends with him. I don't even remember how it happened, but I'm sure glad it did. And we've, uh, we've stayed in contact. I've gone out to The Voice. He had me there as a guest. Uh, we've gone out to dinner and drinks multiple times. A few of those times we probably can't even remember. Uh, what happened at the end of the night, but uh, it was fun and uh, welcome, my friend. I'm so glad you could do this and I really appreciate your time.
1: Joe, it is a pleasure being here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me on and uh, and I look forward to uh, whatever path our chat may uh, go on tonight.
0: Yeah, it's going to be perfect. I know. I know the the, the capabilities of your storytelling. Oh uh, dear, is, is is amazing, and that's why I was so excited to do this with you finally. <laughs> so all right. So, like I said to you, there's no um, there's no strict format, um, but I think you are super interesting, and we've had conversations, and you've walked me through um, the beginning of where you started, how you like, I, I think, I don't know if we went back to really young uh, years. I don't know if we went, I know, I think there was drum corps maybe in there early, but we went back to like, at least where you decided what you were doing college wise, but we can go deeper. Sure, we can go back sure. a little further because I knew you were on a completely different path than where you are now. So sure. just, just like we're sitting down at one of those great meals that we've had, just give us, give us the so, scoop.
1: So how far back you want to go?
0: You can go back as far back as you think it's interesting.
1: Mm, so last week <laughs> I was
0: I recording some tracks in the studio. That's about,
1: <laughs> you know, that's where it gets. It. Um, no. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I started playing when I was very young, uh, just by ear, just listening to records and playing along. And I had a toy drum set after, you know, building drum sets for however long, I don't know, months or something like this somewhere around my fifth Christmas my parents got me a drum set and uh it was a Muppets drum set from Sears yeah. which I oh man it was great but I remember I remember feeling really bad <clears throat> every now and then I've, I've told this story a few times but every now and then as I tell it I remember little details and so this is one of the details that I remember I felt really bad because I came downstairs uh you know Christmas there's the drum set I'm so thrilled, but I've just been making drum sets out of garbage. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I walk up to the front of the kick drum with one of the drumsticks and I whack it. It's a drum set from Sears. So the front kick drum head is paper. So I just went. (laughs) (laughs) So the very first time I struck the drum set, I basically destroyed it. So then we taped it all back together. And then I, you know, I played it for however long. And it wouldn't have been very long because I, I actually ultimately did destroy it, but Not through being destructive, like tearing the front head off or or, or open, but more through just playing it until it was dust. And so I just played it into the ground and played and played and played. And then the following Christmas, I guess that was my sixth Christmas, my parents got me an actual drum set, actual drum set, actual wood, heads, all that. The real deal, not paper on the front head. Um, And then I just always played. And so that was the drums were the first instrument that I played. Piano was the first instrument that I actually had lessons on. So I took piano lessons from the time that I was about eight all the way through high school. So somewhere along the way, I gradually started to hate piano. I started to really not like it. I really started to love playing drums. And so I begged my mom one day to get me drum lessons. I said, Mom, I hate piano. I want to quit piano. I hate it. Please get me drum lessons. I don't want to play piano. I want to play drums. And in one of the more genius moves my mother has ever pulled off in her life, her response was, sure, I'll get you drum lessons, but you have to keep playing piano and taking piano lessons. So starting from, I'm gonna say around middle school, that's when I started taking drum lessons. So drum lessons, middle school through high school and, and, and beyond, but for the course of time between the beginning of middle school and the end of high school, I was studying both piano and drums. And uh, I don't play piano anymore. Well, I have one in my house and I sit down and I plink on it occasionally, but I would never say that I you know, play. But just the gathering of that musical knowledge helps inform every musical situation that you're in. You know what I'm saying? If you learn to play, if you spent six months taking lessons on sitar, if you only played sitar for that six months, that knowledge that you gained, even if you lost your sitar technique, would remain and would, you know, work with you and be in your, in your, in your folio going forward. So, um, what are we up to now? We're somewhere (laughs) in high school, I guess. So call it high school. And I played in, you know, high school, uh, you know, garage bands, rock bands and so on. Um, I played my high school garage band and we were literally a garage band because we literally rehearsed in the garage of our bass player, Kurt Dutra, um, was called Akamili. And, I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with a band called TV on the radio. Are you familiar with a band called TV on the radio?
0: Joe? I don't think so.
1: It's okay. They're kind of a, they're a little bit of an indie band, but very popular and, you know, well-known in indie circles. And one of the founders of that band is a guy named Dave Siddick. So, uh, currently Dave is, is like a super producer? He's working with everyone from Trent Reznor to, uh, Jane's addiction and just lots of really amazing people and, you know, amazing, amazing artists. Many, many of whom you've heard of, some of whom you may not have heard of, but all amazing nonetheless. I was in the band room one day and I'm just playing drums, just playing the drums out of the band room. And this dude pops his head in the door and he goes, hey man, you should come over to my house so we can jam sometime. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I don't I don't even know what that is, right? I've spent my whole life up to that point just playing in my closet or something with the drums. And long story short, Many many of my friends, by the way, Joe, and you may join this list soon, have banned me from saying long story short because it never is.
0: That's all right. That's it's the name. Long story long. That's long story long. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let me let me try to bring this in for a landing. So so the person who popped their head in and said come come to my house was Dave Siddick. and so Dave was actually the first other musician i ever played with he was the first other dude that it was like i'm playing drums and there's another musician there it's this guy dave wow. and so that was akamili and that was what i did throughout high school so you alluded to the fact that i was on a particular course <clears throat> and then my, my life went a certain other way so let's rewind for one second back to my early piano experience all right okay so my life with akamili and dave was much of my life through high school in terms of my playing and um I was still playing piano. But now you you alluded earlier to the idea that my life was on a particular course and then it kind of went a different way. Just for context, I just want to I want to speak to that. So I want to flash back to my early piano days. When I was around eight or nine, I started thinking piano at eight. So I guess this would have been about 10 or so. Uh, at one point we were renting a piano, and at one point the piano needed to go to, to, to go away. I don't remember the reason why. But as, at the time I was living at my grandmother's house and my grandmother told me subsequently that all she could remember about that day was that when they came and took the piano, I threw myself on the ground and was crying and screaming, there goes my career. So, 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 so pretty much <laughs> oh I was gosh. born a musician. I was born, I was born wanting to be a musician. Now you, you remember obviously that I said I eventually grew to hate piano, but that was partly because I grew to love drums. So flashing forward somewhere in high school while studying with the esteemed Grant Menifee, who is my, he was my instructor. Then he's gone on to be a very dear friend of mine and uh, I consider him like a family member. So Grant, Hmm, I would have been, I'm going to say I would have been a sophomore or a junior in high school, somewhere in that neighborhood. And Grant said, you know, I don't say this to a lot of guys, but if you practice really hard at this and you were really, really dedicated, there's a chance you might be able to make a living doing this. (laughs) That was it. That was it. So there's a chance. So Grant, could I be a professional drummer? Well, if you practice harder than you've ever practiced and you dedicate more time and more energy to it than you ever have, there is a point five percent shot right. you can make it right so please tell me he a gets chance. the christmas card so you're, saying, so please you're saying you're saying there's, saying there's saying a chance, there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i got so that's what i got from it and so that was all i needed so yes he, he he's he's a dear friend um i i i um yeah so anyway as i veer along my little road here um coming out of high school i thought to myself i know i want to be a drummer but, I also know I want like guaranteed employment. Like I want something that I know I can fall back on. So to fall back, I went to school and I studied engineering. Yeah, to fall back
0: <laughs> the fall back. The like, dreaded I fall I just, back I thought I just
1: I thought I'd just, just choose a you know a real just cream puff made right. for, like mechanical engineering. <laughs> yeah, stupid and right. retrospect. Yeah. Um, 8 a.m. calculus, three mornings a week, Monday, Wednesday, oh, Friday, 8 a.m. engineering calculus. And like, so, so I'll tell the calculus story really quickly. I took calculus in high school. So, in theory, I was like, oh, pff, I got this. Ain't no thing. So, so yeah. So, like the first whatever, four weeks or whatever, we get a quiz. I fail it. D. I get a, like a D minus. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Yeesh. I guess I should, you know, put, put a little more effort in. So, so then I started going to class more frequently. I didn't cut classes like, uh, so I went. And then the next quiz that we got for like the next little unit or whatever, like D plus. I'm like, oh okay. So I went from totally barely showing up to like busting my butt and I didn't even improve a letter grade. So then I was like, all right, I'm really going to hunker down. I'm really going to hunker down. I I can do this. I can do this. I took this in high school. This is math. I can do this. Went to study halls. Actually, put the time in. Actually, took the effort. Next test, fifty-two percent F.
0: Oh, <laughs> so really? Like,
1: yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't my, my chosen course. So that was one thing that sort of happened that made me start to realize, like, I don't know, man. I don't know if you're gonna complete this major to fall back on. And.
0: Uh, and where was all this? Because where where was engineering right, school?
1: What, sure. Where, this was, where did you go? Good. University of Maryland. I went to University of Maryland uh, in College Park, Maryland, just outside of D.C., Maryland Terrapins. And uh, like I said, I'm trying to bring this in for a landing, but I'm just not good at it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm so sorry. This Um, is perfect. So uh, engineering. So I...
0: So you stuck that calculus. That's where we're at right
1: now. Precisely. And and, and if you can believe this, if you can believe this, I was actually on an engineering scholarship because I had done halfway okay in math and science in high school. So I had a scholarship advisor, and I can't remember her name now. I want to say it was Sharon something or other. I can't remember. She called me one morning, and she said, hey, Nate. Actually, she wouldn't have said, hey, Nate. She would have said, hey, Nathaniel, because I was still Nathaniel then. Hey, Nathaniel. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit. Okay, hey, what's up? yeah, are you going to make it to the um, the Young Engineer Society breakfast on Sunday morning? And I was like, you know what? I have a, I actually have a church gig. Oh, okay. Well, I just want to let you know that you know so-and-so who designed the so-and-so is giving a speech on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And I was like, right. I think I have a band rehearsal. And then there was another thing or something that had a gig. And so she says to me, I, I will never forget this conversation. I can't remember her first and last name, but I remember the conversation. She said to me, hmm, it really doesn't sound like you're very well-rounded. Everything you're doing has to do with music. And I said to her, every now, as, as a kid, I said a bunch of stupid stuff. But every now and then I said stuff that I look back on as an adult and I go, huh, that was kind of more insightful than I would have given you credit for at the time, Mr. Morton.
0: But I said to her,
1: <laughs> I said to her, well, you know, I said, there's a fine line between being not well-rounded and simply being focused. And then in that moment, I realized, okay, you are focused, just not on anything having to do with engineering. You're focused on music. So that was the the thing. So what you're referring to, which is the conversation that I had with my father, where I called him up and I basically said, hey, I need money for a chemistry book that I'm never going to open. And he said, why aren't you going to open it? And I said, because I hate being an engineering major. And after a long pause, he said, okay, change your major tomorrow. And I said, okay. And the rest is history. I changed my major to music and I transferred a semester later to Berkeley College of Music and which was the which is tied for number 1 number 1 well this this is two things tied for number
0: 1 those are You are listening he's holding yes. up two fingers and saying yes. the word number 1 <laughs> yeah exactly
1: well now, well now I'm holding up one finger on each hand now I have number one there you go okay left and right number one's Right. The two number ones of the this two. This is the man that ones, plays on
0: national TV and plays the, the hardest songs in the world. That that. No,
1: no, no. I count to four over and over, <laughs> and, yeah, over right. and over again. Uh, so, the two things that I consider most important in my musical career are number one, going to Berklee College of Music, and number one, moving to Los Angeles, California. So, in a tie for okay. first place, okay. those two things.
0: So, so, this is the these are the little things that I have to pull out for the listeners. Slash eventually, viewers that see this on YouTube, is doesn't Berkeley have an audition uh, process that's not like necessarily the easiest in the world? Or is you, if you just have the money, you can go. Um, and I honestly don't know. I'm asking this like, oh, a, you're, good. For, you're good. You're
1: yeah. good. And I'll be honest with you at the time that I went, getting in was easier than staying in. So, in other words, there were players who got in because, you know, Mommy or daddy said, Oh, you know, Joey is so good at guitar in his bedroom. Let's send him to music college. And so there's Joey. And then you find out like what that looks like. And then Joey is gone a semester later. That's what it looked like when I was there um, about two and a half decades ago. Flash forward, it's become much more competitive to even get in now. And so, yeah, so that aspect has changed.
0: Um, I mean, did you have to do an audition? I did have to
1: audition, yes. Snare drum, timpani, audition.
0: marimba, all of no. that stuff? Okay. My my audition
1: was only on, because it's not, because Berkeley doesn't center around classical music. Okay. Berkeley centers around a variety of genres, but it's not like going to a state college where your primary playing experience is going to be in the orchestra of that college, right? right? So, um no, Berkeley. So my audition was on drum set. And I'm I'm probably not going to accurately recall, but my vague recollection is sight reading, maybe soloing, maybe time, and maybe versatility. Maybe those are the four categories. I'm 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 a little hazy because it's it was a little while ago, but basically you got a number one to seven. This is the way that it worked when I was there. Like with many things that happened when I was younger, it's completely different now. <laughs> but, um, when I was there, that was what you did and you got a number for each of those categories. And so you might come out of there three, four, five, four, right. Which means you have a three in reading, a four in improvisation, a five in, you know, uh, uh time and a three in whatever I said, you know. Yep, yep. Um, so then you take those four numbers and you are able to sign up for the ensembles based on what your numbers are based on what your audition level is. So, and the ensembles were levels one through seven. So if you wanted to be in a level seven ensemble, you had to have the majority sevens in those categories. Mm -hmm. So in my sense, I went in and I came out with, I don't even remember what, fours, something like that. So then the process is that you go back a semester later and you audition again for your ensemble ratings you know, and that was part of the auditioning process to get into the school and also part of the auditioning process to get into the ensembles that she wanted to get into. Um, Was your major
0: performance? My major
1: was performance. And the reason is because I was perhaps foolishly, but it was my attitude at the time was I was dedicated to playing and, and the way for you to get the most private lessons, the most ensembles, the most playing experience as a student there was to be a performance major. You got twice as many private lesson hours, you know, twice as many allowed ensembles to go towards your major, all of that. And the reason why I say perhaps foolishly is because I could have studied songwriting. I could have studied more compositional things like that. But I was a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I hate to say "old school" because that's such an overused term. But I was a little bit old school. I was very much like I'm dedicated to playing. I want to be a player. I want to be playing. I'm not concerned about sitting around and writing horn, uh, you know, uh, um, charts
0: um, and arrangements. Yeah, horn yeah. charts
1: and and transcribing uh, and um transposing to all the different registers for all the different horns and all of that. So I I spent the majority of my time playing. I was I was in a practice room many 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 hours for my first couple of semesters and then my subsequent semesters I was fortunate to be doing a lot of playing. And Berkeley is the kind of college that makes allowances for that sort of thing. Like if you show up to your lesson and you're like, I'm really sorry, I'm not quite prepared with this. Well, why not? I was playing Phillips senior recital. I had a gig at this place and I had a cruise ship, you know, I had a a dinner brunch thing, you know, gig this day. Yep. Okay. You know, I mean, and that's not to suggest that they were lax. It's just to suggest that the instructors that I had anyway had an understanding that I was gaining, hopefully anyway, real world experience doing real world gigs, and on some level, that had value equal to, if not greater than, sitting in a practice room learning exercise seventeen B on page thirty five, you know, thirty five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's my story, man. And I, I I finished Berkeley. I hung around Boston. I played a bunch of gigs there. Eventually, I found my way to L.A.
0: Okay, wait. Before you go any further, a couple of questions. Stop. Yes. Did you find Berkeley uh, I don't want to say easy, but did you did you struggle while you were there?
1: I had the great advantage. If you recall, I mentioned my drum instructor Grant Menifee. Yep. Grant Menifee happens to be a graduate of Berkeley College of Music. And Grant's whole intent, unlike a lot of instructors, well, you know what? Let me not do that because I don't want to put instructors, I don't want to overgeneralize, but there are instructors out there. Let's put it this way. There are instructors out there who studied their whole lives, practiced very hard, were unable to obtain a level that they wanted to obtain as a player. So then went like, All right, I guess I'll teach. Right? Right.
0: Grant. We, is all, know, the we all know them. We've sure. all had them sure. in just right. It's and it's unfortunate,
1: life. but it happens. It's, it's just yeah, life, right. right it's life. Right. So Grant is the opposite of that. Grant really wanted to go to Berklee College of Music, learn all that he could, absorb it all like a sponge, and then move back to Catonsville, Maryland, which is just a little bit outside of Baltimore, Maryland, and basically become the best, most well-known, well-respected drum instructor in all of Maryland, which he has succeeded at doing. And f- for my dollar, I mean, he's among the best, drum instructors out there, period. Um, and it's interesting because when I studied with him, I'm getting a little off track, but I'll, I'll get back to where no, you are. it's fine. When I studied with him, I remember thinking to myself, I re- like I remember realizing the level of knowledge that I was gaining being with him and studying with him and understanding the importance of it and just hoping, like I was hoping, please let me... Obtain some level of success so that I can, A, tell the world how great this guy Grant Menifee is and B, sort of be a billboard. Like I want to be like, wow, that guy, like the way that people went like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so so Freddie Gruber, you know, oh, so-and-so study with this guy, so that guy, Don Familaro, this guy. And it's like, I want to be the guy who it's like, man, hey, who'd you study with? Grant Menifee. And at this point, you know, I think that it speaks volumes that Grant does a great job by virtue of the fact that he's got several known name players out there making a living doing this. So that's a lot more than than your average drum instructor teaching in a suburb outside of a city, you know, can 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 claim credit to.
0: Right. All right. Well. So one what question. The heck I does want, all that leave us? No. <laughs> so, no. The other question I wanted to ask about Berkeley is while you were there.
1: Oh shoot! Hold on, hold on. I didn't even answer your question. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. God. Oh, right. Joe. Was
0: it hard for you? That's right, right. You right.
1: So, so, so. Here, let's pick that up. So, the whole reason that I gave you that Grant Menifee backstory, right, is because Grant basically prepared me with exercises, grooves, fills, you know, all sorts of things that were very much like what he knew I would see when I went to Berkeley. If that makes sense. So. You know, whereas there are players there who their instructor puts something in front of them and says, hey, are you familiar with this? Check this out. And they go, oh, no, this is the first time I've ever seen that. I'm going like, oh, yeah, me and Grant, we were up to page 37 in this book. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, So was Berkeley easy? No, it was definitely not easy. I definitely practiced hard. I definitely, you know, grew a lot. I definitely learned a lot of things that I would not have learned had I not gone there. I learned a lot of things the hard way at Berkeley so that I didn't have to learn them the hard way in the real world. Uh, So in that regard, no, Berkeley was not easy. However, I will say that I felt very prepared for it by virtue of having studied with Grant Menifee.
0: Got it. Perfect. Okay, cool. So So here's all that.
1: You can piece all that together. It's perfect. Make some sort of cogent answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So here's the, Last piece that I'll ask you about Berkeley was while you were there um, uh, Now that you're out and these other people that were there are potentially out in the world Were there any people that were there while you were there that are now famous out in the world today? Which I would assume the answer is yes because so many people come through there But I was just if you had a couple of names that say oh, yeah, he was he was there. while I was there and
1: well when, when I when I'm asked this it's often in relationship to drummers. And so just, I mean, it, well, first let me preface this by saying, when I was there, there were 2,000 students, a little over 2,000 students, and I did not know all of them. So there's any great possibility that any number of them have gone off and done amazing and wonderful things. And I'm, not, I'm just not familiar because I didn't know them. But... I um, mean like drummers, John Mayer
0: wasn't there when you were there? I don't know. It was just a...
1: I feel like he's a little bit younger than me. So I feel like he would have been there after me. Um, right. Um, but for example, little John Roberts drummer was there when I was there. Um, there's another drummer who's out here now named Steve Haas, who's a killing drummer. He was playing with Manhattan Transfer, like, yeah, I know he was you. in school, like when he was there, like he was playing like that. Bass player named Ruben Rogers, uh, sax player teodros Avery. Um, let's see, other drummers Johnny rabb was there when I was there. Cool. Uh, John Blackwell was there when I was there. Rest in peace, John Blackwell.
0: Yep. Yeah,
1: um. And there are others, you know, I hate this question because invariably I forget someone and then no, 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 and this I didn't mean and I go, to Oh shucks. Uh, but I wasn't uh, even trying
0: guy. I wasn't even trying to pinpoint you on the drum thing because I know like did you like your drum buddies don't want to be you don't want to well, be sensitive. You know, it was just like maybe some bass player, maybe some guitar player, some sure. piano player. I,
1: well do you know Cheche Alera was, was was my piano player when I did the Bonnie Hunt show? Okay. Um and so yeah, there are definitely my paths have definitely repeatedly crossed with people that I was in school with and there are definitely people that I was in school with who have gone off and done many many wonderful things. I mean it's hard to point to a it's hard to point to an institution musically that is more successful at putting the volume of contemporary musicians successfully out into the world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So whether whether it's film scoring or whether it's jazz composition or whether it's beating on drums like a caveman like I do, or Antonio Sanchez composing, you know, Grammy award-winning jazz records, yeah. right? So across the board, there are any number of people doing any number of successful things in any number of sort of avenues and genres. So yeah, man, it's, it's like I said, it's the, it's, it's, it was one of the best things I've ever done. Cool. And, and I consider it to be hands down Hands down, I consider it to be the best contemporary music school on the planet.
0: Awesome. Hmm. Well, and you did four years.
1: I, I managed, well, because I did two semesters at University of Maryland, I had a few credits that transferred. So I did about three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. But I definitely, my, 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 both of my parents, my mother and my father are uh, first generation um, college students. Right, they were the first in their in their families to go to college, and so, you know, both of them, primarily my father, was like, "Oh, you're finishing college, <laughs> like, one way that or another." Not, that was, "Oh yeah, oh you're <laughs> getting a degree." Like, I'm not going to be like the the beginning and the end of of this trend right now. So yeah, I finished. I finished in seven semesters.
0: Okay, cool. And it was cool because the the story I remember is you that phone call about the book that you would never use. You know, I don't know if you expected him to be so supportive. Maybe you did, but it just sounded like he's like, yeah, if that's what you're going to do, you want to play music, then I, am on. I making hold, him hold sound on. more no, no, supportive no, no, no. than he would? Let was... me get this right. Hold on. I want to get this right. I want
1: to get this right. I don't know how much of it was support and how much of it was concession. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was an extent to where it was like, "All right, you know what? This is just trending this way. So I'm either gotta I either gotta jump on this bus or get run over by it. So okay, fine, I'll get on the bus." I right. was like that. And my dad is a huge music fan. I mean, he's 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 in great part the reason why I am a musician because he doesn't play an instrument at all. But I grew up in a household where pretty much if he was in the house, music was playing basically if he was in the house music was playing and it could have been across all number of genres, uh, or all manner rather of genre. And so he's in great part why I am a musician, but like any parent, there was definitely that like, okay, so how are you going to make a living at this? You know, because for people who don't know the, the other side of, of what we do, Joe, you know, it's hard to, to understand, I mean it's hard. It's, it's it was interesting when I finished college and I walked across the stage and Sting handing me my, my degree. And the next morning I kind of woke up and I was like, all right, well, I don't have art history 201 today. What what do I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right, definitely right. you know what I mean. So right. there's there's it's 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 not like a degree where you go four years, you come out with an engineering degree. And you solicit different companies that do whatever number of engineering situations that there are, right? You look in the back of the, of the, of the, of the help, not the help wanted, but you know, the, the, the wall street journal for employment or whatever it is. I don't, I don't know. See, you how little I know about actually getting a real job, (laughs) but you look at the back of whatever paper, I don't know, one of those papers that has jobs in the back. Right. And, 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 and you see who's hiring. In my dad's case, it was a, my dad was an educator. So in his case, there was this paper called the Chronicle. And it was a whole paper about education, and in the back there were all you know hiring positions for vice presidents of student affairs at campuses and administrators and you know history professors and things of that nature. Um, so that's I don't know that's my experience with that. But I guess my only point is that as a musician you come out with this degree or you don't whatever. But either way, whenever you jump into it, it's kind of like all on you to find your course, right. you know. And so there were definitely some mornings early on when I was, you know, okay, what do I do? And I adopted this attitude of, I adopted an attitude of what can I be doing right now to get a gig at this exact moment? What can I be doing to get a gig, you know? And, and this is
0: why you were still in Boston right after you graduated.
1: This is when I'm still in Boston. I just graduated, but, but that persisted. I mean, that persisted for years. I mean, that's, that's been my, I mean, it continues to be my motivation. I'm in my studio right now and written on my dry erase board says, at this exact moment, are you making the best use of your time? And then under that, it says small picture and big picture. At this exact moment, am I making the best use of my time? I would say yes. I would say chatting to you is a very good use of my time because if it enables me to share anything that I've experienced or knowledge that I've gained that helps to influence anyone else or that anyone else gains anything from, then that's a great use of my time. So the answer is yes right now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So you graduate, you're in Boston. I assume you're gigging to make the rent and eat and all of that other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You've you've told me this story and then um, all of a sudden you decide to go to LA.
1: Well, there's a few more details in there. Um, When I finished, I was playing with a top 40 band. I was playing with a, a rock cover band and I was gigging around. I was even playing in a couple of original bands and I got an opportunity to travel to Hong Kong and play with a Cantonese pop artist named Fei Wong. This is 1994. Um, so 1994, I go to Hong Kong, I play with Fei Wong, And when I went to Hong Kong to, to do that gig, and I was there for several months, we were there for several weeks rehearsing, then we came to the States and did several weeks touring. Then we went back to Hong Kong, did several weeks rehearsing, and then did a, tour, did a, 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 a stint at the Hong Kong Coliseum. I think we played about 35 or 40 straight shows at the Hong Kong Coliseum, which that's kind of the way that t- touring, at that time anyway, that's the way that touring happened in Hong Kong. You didn't travel around. Hong Kong is five square miles. So, right, it's the population of New York City. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's the population of New York City in a five square mile block. And so you basically set up shop at the Hong Kong Coliseum, which, I don't know, the capacity is probably around 17 or 18,000. And you just everybody comes to
0: you. Right? you play, yeah, everybody comes to you. It's like it is, it's like a,
1: it's like a it's like a Vegas residency. That's exactly what it's like a residency. Only yeah. people aren't flying in from around the world. It's just that many people live there. Um, so so after so my plan was I'll go do Fei Wong. When I come back, I'm going straight to L.A. And what happened was when I came back, I realized that there were some things in Boston that I missed, that I, that I wanted to return to. And so I wound up back in Boston for another two or three years before moving to LA in 98.
0: Oh, wow, I didn't know it was that long after you graduated.
1: Yeah, I was, I was there from, accepting the handful of months that I spent in Hong Kong um, or touring with Fei Wang, uh, yeah, I was there. I left in late 98 and moved to Los Angeles then.
0: And how did you get that gig? Or would, where did you somebody somebody see you? Faye Wong. Yeah.
1: So Fei Wong is, I think she's probably still. I think she's still making records and still current and still doing things. And so she was kind of the, like at the time anyway, kind of the wild child of, of 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 Cantonese pop artists, right? And part of being the wild child was I'm gonna have these. I'm I'm crazy. I'm gonna have these american musicians in my band i'm gonna diversify and have these american musicians so she was having auditions and i just heard about an audition and i and i wound up at an audition in montreal canada of all places and was fortunate to get the gig and wound up you know a few weeks later in hong kong doing rehearsals wow Wow. (laughs) yeah yeah it's crazy ever do you ever uh do you share any photos or anything and how you present this because i probably could find some photos of, of
0: Oh yeah, on. I'll take what. Yeah, sure.
1: Okay. Yeah, someone asked me for earliest pictures. Pardon me. Someone asked me. Okay, let's pick up. Someone asked me for earliest pictures of me playing drum set, and literally, I don't have any because, I mean, think about it. If you flash back further than fifteen years, twenty years, not everybody had a cell phone constantly in their hand,
0: right? right? So now to you take sound a picture, like an old man.
1: Pff, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah so taking a picture was more than the notion right you know so um, so yeah I don't have really any pictures of that era of me the earliest pictures I have are like I don't know I don't know probably high school or something
0: God I would like to see the picture of you taking the drumstick and just jamming it through the, the head of the bass drum
1: Yeah, oh yeah well that would have been yeah let's see what was that that would have been 1977. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was the state? What was the state of the cell phone development back in? Oh, 1977? that would have been seven. Yeah, God, that was so we, we didn't have like the wind up, I, like, I don't even think we had the military wind up, <laughs> freaking, you know, come Command in, commander. Oh, wait, set. that
0: might have been Polaroid time, still maybe a no? little later, a little later, because I do okay. have some
1: Polaroid pictures. Okay. I do have Polaroid. You see, and that was around. I, that was when I was, that was about four or five years later. Okay. And I only remember this because I recently came across a photo album where I scanned in a bunch of of, of Polaroids from, okay. from, from the era of my life when I was
0: at about four, fifth grade. Got it. Okay. So yeah, I couldn't remember. Okay. So you're back in Boston. You stayed a couple more years. Yep. And then, uh, I know, I know there's a part of this story that there's a girlfriend involved in Boston, but you're leaving and it's. I'm At going. that time,
1: I was definitely all about music. I was definitely like, you know, I didn't, I definitely felt like I didn't just spend all this time and energy and effort going to this music college. I didn't start playing drums when I was six years old so that I could finish a music college and stay in Boston and play in, you know Up what I mean? Dates. Cover bands I mean or with all due updates. respect cover bands No yeah, but just update you
0: know just Right
1: yeah. exactly I was I definitely I had eyes On sort of a, a A a bigger level I wanted to be Touring the world I wanted to be on Television and I just sort Of came to the conclusion that like The chances of me of that finding me In Boston Are lower than the chances That I'll have if I go to find it Which to me felt like Los Angeles and again, I don't mean to, I don't mean to put down cover bands because hell, I play in a cover band. Um, but yeah, I definitely knew that like at age, what, when did I graduate? 22? Somewhere in that neighborhood. I wasn't quite ready to like settle in. I didn't want to feel like, okay, I've, I've maxed out my potential now. Right. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. So wh- then what happened? What was the trigger?
1: Well, that was it. I would be, I would be watching guys on TV playing and there's, you know, there's a new artist playing that I've never heard of whoever that new artist might've been. And there's a guy playing drums. And I would think to myself, that guy is playing drums on that gig because that guy lives where that gig is, you know, and there are exceptions. There's exceptions. There's times when people who live in Duluth mail in a tape of them shedding on drums to some guy in LA and then they wind up on the gig. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens even more frequently now with the internet, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's made the whole world much, much smaller. But at that time, the idea of a manager in LA calling me in Boston to do what, (laughs) you know, you're going to call me on a Tuesday to fly out to LA and audition for a gig on a Thursday and that's going to work how, right? So I just knew that I had to be, or at least I felt, that I had to be there. When people call me, or text me, or message me, or whatever, email me, and they're like, you know, I'm the best drummer in Topeka, Kansas. I have all the gigs in Topeka, Kansas. I'm like Topeka, Kansas's version of Vinnie Kaliuta. How do I get to the next level? Get out of Topeka, Kansas. Move to LA. You know what I mean? And, and that's, I don't mean to sound callous when I say that. No, no, that no, people, it's. People have, and not everyone can do that. And so for me at the time, it was definitely that thing of like, sometimes I meet people, or I have that conversation with people and they say, oh, well, you know, I've been married for five years. My wife and I have a three-year-old. She has a great job. Then I'm like, oh, okay, that's not practical for you. So then let's reanalyze. Yep. Right. But for me at the time, and in terms of what you're saying and, and my, and my girlfriend and so on at the time, it was definitely like, I want to be in LA. And I was very fortunate too. Cause I pretty much was like, look, I really want to go there. I really want to, max this thing out and see you know what what it can do and it would be great if you would join me but if you don't want to I also understand and she was like well literally she was like well Boston's the only city I've ever lived in in the United States so sure and then there you go that's how that that's how that went
0: cool I couldn't remember she came with you or not so now she did okay okay cool she did Right. she did so now this is when we're in LA. You moved to LA at what year?
1: We are really like this is like really my whole life story. I told if I you. Decide, if I ever decide to publish the book of my life story, I could just put out a transcript of this conversation,
0: and I'll have it done for you because it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it goes. It's part of the whole podcast thing, so it'll already be done. Oh, no, so I wait, told so you. Where are we? So where are so, we? You know the, we who's the guy? Who's the? Is it the who? the, the Dos Equis guy, the most interesting man in the world? Yeah, is that is that, is that who that is? Yes, you know the guy with the beard. And yes, the, yes. Or, yes or is that him? Yeah. Yes, yes. Like you're, you're my, you're my version. You, I hold you on a higher pedestal than that's, the, Dostoevsky's guy. That, that's really sad for you. I would not admit that
1: <laughs> out loud. I would not admit that out loud. Um. So okay. So what are we doing? So we came to so LA now.
0: We're in LA. You and your girlfriend. It's what year?
1: Uh, ninety. End of ninety eight. Okay. Near the end of ninety eight. Going into 99, 99 by the time everything, all the dust settled in terms of moving out and having a place and settling in and all of that. And my earliest gigs came by way of auditions that I made my way into that were held by a guy named Barry Squire. And so Barry is still on the scene. Although like most of us who work in this crazy music thing, even what he does has been changed by technology. So whereas once upon a time, whereas once upon a time, it was like, oh, Alanis Morissette is having an audition, picking up the CD at this particular executive's office, the auditions on Saturday at noon. And so you go there and there's 50 of the CDs and you grab one of them, there's three songs and you learn three songs, you show up and there's, you know, 25 guys on every instrument and they cycle through you all and you play it. Now, you know, and you play it in a room with other musicians, right? right? Whereas now it's send me links. Everything is send me links. So even Barry now, I'll see that he'll post You know, new artists looking for keyboardists that sings age 25 to 37, send links to, and there's an email address.
0: Right, right? and he does them all on Facebook now. He
1: does them on Facebook. He does yeah, them and on it's Facebook. so funny.
0: And, and when I heard of his name and what he did, and he was the, the connector of getting all of these great musicians on these great gigs for these touring artists, yep. the moment I found his name, I was already above the age limit on every single question. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, that, sh- that ship had sailed already. Well, one of those things
1: I did, I did a thing once where someone called and whatever I was, it was some sort of gig that I was in the running for. And, uh, and then they said, are you 26 or younger? And I said, as far as, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Right. You know, right. Um, and it's so funny because all his posts now are like, and, and, Be honest about your age or proof of age or like he's very adamant about when he posts them. Yeah. If you say you're you're this, make sure you are that, not that you just look it and blah, blah, blah. So
1: interesting. Well, I haven't, I I, you know, I had lunch with Barry because I have students who ask me, how do I get a gig? What's an audition like, et cetera, et cetera. And I realized I hadn't talked to Barry, I don't know. Uh, maybe 15 years or something. And so I reached out to him not too, too long ago. And I was just like, hey, man, I just want to have lunch with you and pick your brain about what the current state of auditions looks like, what the current state of getting, getting a gig looks like, because I have students who ask me, and all I can do is sort of speculate as to what that looks like now, and I don't really know. And so, you know, we, we talked for a while, and part of his thing was, for example, now Ableton is a big part of it. Like that's a big part of multiple gigs. And I, I don't know, Ableton, like if I had to go and do an audition today and I had to have a knowledge of Ableton, I'd be sunk. Um,
0: Yeah, he puts up a lot of posts like that. You need to be able to run tracks, write tracks, multi-instrumental, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Like play electronic drums, play acoustic drums.
1: How about even this, Joe? So currently the state of a touring band So the first audition I did that was a Barry Squire audition was for a young woman named Billy Myers. And she had a single called Kiss the Rain. It was a really big, it was like the biggest single that, that summer. And the original band, (laughs) you'll laugh at this. You, 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 because we are closer in age, you will laugh at this. And people who are younger than us won't even be able to fathom it so the audition and this is for a new artist this is a new this is not an established artist the audition so billy meyer's band in the end ended up being bass drums keys two guitars two background singers that was our band keys bass drums two guitars two background singers that's a normal band like for me that's a normal band for my age group that's a normal band nowadays it's drummer multi-instrumentalist and the third musician is ableton right it's a drummer and a guitarist running ableton or it's a drummer and a keyboard player running ableton and it's it's really it's interesting i had a conversation with a guy recently named ray because i did a gig and the the band was myself on drums and ray on guitar and i was like ray you know And, and ray is younger but he has a little bit of an older school, old school mentality. You know what I'm saying? Like Ray would love to be on stage with, with, with five dudes playing instruments, but Ray basically pointed out and sort of hip to me to the fact that these days, if you can move a crowd with a drummer, and I'm going to circle back to Barry by the way, but if you can move a crowd with a drummer and a guitar player, let's say if the budget does go up, if your record is successful or your music is successful and you do make money, the first place to invest money oftentimes isn't expanding the band it's not oh we're 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 bass we're we're drums and guitar now let's add a bass player oh we're drums bass guitar let's add a keyboard player it's let's add video screens yeah. let's add four dancers let's add cooler stage set and it's like wow okay so you know there are times now circling back to barry he did point out that in 99 percent of cases even though it is only two guys one of those two guys or girls is typically a drummer because if you're playing on a bill somewhere and all the other bands have a drummer and you get up there and you're a guitar player and a bass player it doesn't look like there's a live band on stage right right yeah drums are part of that and it's even funny my brain i'm on i'm on like a weird it's like stream of consciousness thing right now. It's interesting too, because that reminds me of when I was in school and my father would take me to see bands. He would take me to see like at the time, George Howard or Najee or Hiram Bullock
0: mm-hmm.
1: or Spyro Gyra. And I remember going and hearing those bands and those are all like, they all live in like that instrumental jazz. I, I, I hesitate to say smooth jazz. I won't say smooth jazz, right. but they live in that jazz universe. So it's like the keys are going like, mm. And guitars going, and bass is going, and the drums are going. and It was like a totally different texture. It was a whole different texture, and that's what drew my ear. I was like, "Ooh!" Now I played drums earlier than that, but that was so exciting to me was that the drums were the one like aggressive percussive thing, even in that context. So. Take all of that, flash all of that forward to the knowledge that I've gained from Barry now, where he's basically saying essentially the same thing, which is that if there's not drums on the stage, it doesn't feel like a live band. So in that respect- And he's a a drummer himself, so he's also- he is a drummer himself. It's in his
0: heart, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I don't even remember what the question was, Joe.
0: Or well, where so, we are. No, it's okay. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm even I'm keeping track of it all. So this only because these are all the things that I'm selfishly interested in. So I'm keeping it on track in my own brain as as we're talking. So you moved you move to LA with your girlfriend, you get all settled, and you go there with no gig up front. You like you have no work when you land, no just the money in your pocket and whatever. Uh oh, <laughs> it, it
1: it it sounds very bleak when you put it that way. <laughs> no, hey, no, but, but yes. Well, you okay. remind me of the time. So, so my mom, as I said, you know, her genius move was play piano and drums at the same time. Um, however, you know, there have been times when my mom and I, opinion wise, or 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 philo- philosophically, have been at odds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Go figure. I, a, <laughs> side side note: I went to see. I used to go see a therapist. Yeah, that's okay. I'm mental. That's obvious. I need you know. I <laughs> you know, need to see a therapist. Of course, I did. And at one point, they were like, "So tell me, you know, what's going on?" And I was kind of like, "Well, sometimes my mom." And before I could even finish sentence, they went, "There's always the mom." <laughs> yeah. She is at once. She is at once your greatest nurturer, and at the same time, also causes some of your greatest yeah. anguish. You yeah, know. Yes. Yeah. So my mom is a lovely woman. She's a lovely woman. But uh, <laughs> uh, but but sometimes she says things that I'm just like. ah, so one of the things was when I was about to leave Boston to drive across the country to move to Los Angeles, she said, well, Nathaniel, how long, how does she say it? I think she said something along the lines of how long are you going to, how long are you going to fail before you give up or something along those lines? How long are you going to struggle before you give up? Yeah. And that was it. How long are you going to struggle before you give up? And my answer was as long as it takes. Like I don't have a plan B. And, and it's important that I emphasize, Joe, that I am by no means encouraging people to like dive headlong into some kind of insane life changes with absolutely no parachute to save them should they fall, even though that's what I did. But I'm not, I'm not advising it. I'm not saying it's a great idea. I'm just saying like, it's kind of like when I do lessons. I kind of go, this is what I did. And you can take the knowledge from it and do what with it do with it what you will, right? So for me, moving to LA, yeah, I just jumped and it was like a total leap of faith. And it's that thing, is that thing, is very funny. I don't know how many people who check this out who will have made such a sort of transition, but it's definitely funny. Like you move somewhere like that on a leap of faith and you have a lot of conversations that go like this. Oh man, you moved here? Dude, I wish you were here last month. Because yeah. I needed a guy for so-and-so and so-and-so. And, so. and it's like, okay, well, it's not last month, it's this month. Do you have a gig for me? Right. Yeah, okay. man. Right. You know? It's, it's like, There's a lot of those. Like before I moved here, it felt like like, wow. It's kinda like it's kind of like when you're married and you feel like every woman wants you. You're like, man, yeah. it's a shame. Dang, I'm married. Cause that cute girl really thinks I'm cute oh my suddenly God. when you're single crickets.
0: I mean, my but, God.
1: I mean I'm, make, I'm making a joke, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So, 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 so when you don't live here, it's like, man, I wish you lived here cause I have so-and-so and so-and-so and then you move here and it's like, Oh man. Yeah. Last right. Week. right. So, so that was my experience. That was my experience. And I, so I moved here and I, again, to the to the to my credo of what can I be doing at this exact moment to get a gig. That was the way that I approached everything, and it was very daunting. It's very daunting when you live in LA, and you're like the person at Jamba Juice, and you're just like, "Hey, can I have a you know taz And they're like, "Oh yeah, cool." And maybe you're wearing a, a music shirt. Oh, you're a musician? Yeah, I'm a musician. I play drums. What about you? Oh yeah, man. You know, I just graduated from MI. Yeah. And they're giving you your smoothie and you're like, Oh my God, really? Like it's very daunting to feel like there are that many musicians here who are not, you know, doing what they want to be, you know, li- li- living their best life as they say. Yeah. But then at the same time, the flip side of that is it actually becomes in a way sort of very um, the music culture can be very vital in the sense that vital is the wrong word vitality the vitality that I'm, what i'm trying to say is you get to this point where you realize that an opportunity could come from anywhere
0: right
1: an opportunity could come from the person who makes you your razzmatazz and hands it to you and they go oh what do you play oh, i'm a drummer dude i have a band do you want to come play with us sometime okay and you do and cut to and that band becomes death cab for cutie or something and then there you go and then you tell the story about how you met at drama juice i have no idea what death cab's story is but i'm just making that as an example, no. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, that's, so, I think a lot of people miss that. They, they, you know, they get down on where they might be at at the moment and you never know who's going to walk in the door or what door is going to open. And it'll only happen if you stay super positive and and expect those things to happen. If 100%. you're all, yeah.
1: hundred percent. And I really got to say too, a lot of the gigs that I've done, some of them, Some of them were, you go in, you do the audition, the next day there's a callback, they say, congratulations, you got the gig, yay. The vast majority of them, however, were, hey, um, you did a gig once with a guy who knows my cousin who used to work at so-and-so, and and then when they were at Sony Records, they said this guy... And it's like connection after connection after connection after connection that leads you. And you realize that that gig that you're doing today came through some gig that you did eight years ago with some guy that you stayed in touch with. And you know what I mean? It's yep. really, really relationships. And I mean, I'm, I'm covering, I, I will admit, Joe, I'm, I'm covering stuff that I've covered before, but it's important. It's important stuff. It's important to understand. I love this one. Hey, Nate, when did you realize you'd made it? i'm sorry what yeah Uh, what do i do i do i live in beverly hills is there a ferrari in my driveway no what are you talking about made it right so for me there was never like a like there was i've been working in pro tools a lot because i've been recording myself a lot in, in, in here in my studio and 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 so you can do things in pro tools where you create automation where the volume is going along and then it just jumps to here and then goes along there or, it's a fade. Right. My whole life has been a fade. My whole life has been a long fade. There was never a point where it's like, oh, this sucks. Oh, this sucks. Oh, this sucks. Oh, this sucks. Oh, I made it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's like it's like okay. Now I've got a little bit better gig. Okay, cool. Oh, now I'm playing a little, little bit higher caliber of musician. Oh, now I'm playing a little bit bigger venues with this person. Oh, now I have a TV show. Oh, it's canceled though. Okay. Oh, but here's another TV show and it's mm-hmm. here. And then you know what I mean? It's always gone like that. So at no point have I at no point have I ever felt like I've quote unquote made it because at no point have I ever felt like I don't have to work from here on. Right. I don't have to work anymore. I've done it all. <laughs> I've gotten to the level where I no longer have to work anymore. No. And it'll never happen. It'll never happen. You can ask me if I'm fortunate to be here 30 years from now, 20, 20 years from now, It'll still be the same answer.
0: Actually, though, it'd be a really funny video for you and I the next time when when you do get to that point where you don't have to work anymore and you're just dancing around that studio and you're just going like this with with a hundred dollar bills all there's around. A the
1: great, there's a great, there's a great, there's a great. What do the kids call it? A GIF? I think the kids call it a GIF or a GIF. GIF? What's yeah, a GIF? Yeah. It's a Jiff or a GIF? I don't freaking know. A- <laughs> but there's one, and it's the dude. I'm sure anyone who who messes with all this junk and sends Goofy gifs or gifts or whatever they I are. do i do okay right you may recognize this one because like the dude and he's in like the bar and he has one dollar and he goes <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like one bill <laughs> yeah right exactly oh my gosh so yeah so you mean every everything every everything has led from one thing to the next it's been like i said it's been you know a, a new artist okay this next new artist Actually, had a record that went platinum. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, this next new artist is music that I really, really, really love and I've been a fan of forever. That's really cool. Oh, this next artist is actually a nationally known artist that people know, right? Oh, is that so? It's just been a progression. And yeah,
0: so but so start with you land there, right? How do you know Barry Squire is the guy you got to get a hold of? You just hear it through first, the grapevine that
1: he's the guy. No, when I when I landed, I have a, a, a very good relationship with my symbol company Zildjian, and I called Kirsten at Zildjian, and I said, yep. "Kirsten, Kirsten, I just moved to town. What do I do?" And she said, "Well, there's a guy named Barry Squire. I can give him your name. You know, who knows what will happen there." And I said, "Okay, cool. That's exciting. Great." And at the time, I was also doing some, some some teaching work at MI, and at the time, MI had a career resources department and if memory serves the guy who used to run at the time this is this is the name that's in the in the brain splinter um was i think his name was jerry cartwright that name is in my in my brain and i went to jerry cartwright and i said jerry jerry i just moved to town how do i get a gig and he said well there's this guy named barry squire i can give him your name and i said that'd be rad and there was someone else i want to feel like someone that i knew maybe that I went to school with that was working at a record company at the time. And I said, I just moved to town. How do I get a gig? And they said, well, there's this guy, Barry Squire. I can give him your name. So I get a call from Barry Squire and he says, Hey, I got your number from this person, this person, and this person. So I thought I'd give you a call and you know, I'm having an audition for this particular artist this particular day. And I'm pretty sure we've already got it sewn up, but just to meet you, come on down and audition. And I was very fortunate to get the gig. And that was an artist named Billy Myers. The audition process was all day, two back-to-back days. We auditioned. First, first call was all day, let's say, a Saturday. And the second call, or the callbacks, were all day that Sunday. And by Sunday, she had a band in place. And at the end of that night, late Sunday night, 10 or 11 o'clock at night after I'd been there from 9 or 10 in the morning, her manager, or she or her manager, one of the two, said, to the remaining seven people, right? This is the band that was keys, bass, drums, guitar, two guitars, two vocals. So that's the seven of us. Okay. Um we're playing vibe tomorrow with Sinbad. Sinbad wow. used to have that show vibe. Yeah. Congratulations. You're the band. Tomorrow we're playing vibe.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> it was literally that. It, and, and, and 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 like you're going, "Wow, that was that was me." That was me having just come from Boston, having just done my first audition. And the end of the night of the second day of those auditions, the manager says, okay, tomorrow we're playing on a national TV show on network TV. You know, now, how long night, was that
0: after you got to LA did that audition come up?
1: I was super duper fortunate, Joe. I think that that was within a couple of months of being in LA. Wow. But I was, like I said, I was really fortunate. And that was not at all something that I had anticipated would happen i was just very and and i didn't really know it at the time but if memory serves i moved here either the very end of 98 or the very beginning of 99 but it's the beginning of the year january february march mm-hmm. when people are putting together those summer tours those tours that start in late april may and run through the summer and so i just i just happened to arrive at a very fertile auditioning period in LA, you know, it just happened to be very good timing.
0: Were you doing club dates up until that audition? Did I you was not pay the rent? I was not,
1: I was not, okay. I was doing, I was doing, well, yeah, I was doing club dates, but it wasn't paying the rent. I mean, okay. paying the rent was the teaching work that I was doing at MI. Okay. And my, uh, Capital One, Visa card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, did I you. Mean, hey, look, hey, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm too old. I'm too old <laughs> to be anything but honest. So between the time that I moved to L.A. and the time that I was fortunate to wind up in the band playing with Billy Myers, I was doing a combination of things. So I was gigging, but my time spent behind the drums was more in terms of going and doing uh sit-ins and jam sessions and the bulk of my you know rent was paid by the work that i was doing at mi doing some ta work teacher's assistant work and some teaching uh and the combination of that and my um you know capital one uh visa card (laughs) so i mean i don't again Again, a lot of this, (laughs) a lot of this is like, I don't advise it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying that's what I did. That's what I did, you know? Um, So um, that was it. That was it. And so I was doing that. And then I was fortunate to get the Billy gig. And kind of the ball started rolling from there.
0: So just that gig happened for however long. So can you sort of give the... The bounce from there to what were the next cool auditions that you did? Were they all through Barry or some of these recommendations? I know you. there are other people that I'd rather have you mention than me mention of the auditions that you had and, and how they went and all of that stuff. For now, we end here. Please check out part two of this episode. Thank you so very much for listening to this podcast. It's so important to me that you've taken the time out to listen and potentially subscribe. If you have a moment, it would be great if you could share this podcast. I would also love it if you could rate it. And if you have time, it would be amazing to have a review by you. Once again, thanks so much for listening. I really, really appreciate having you here and being in your ears.